One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 190. I just have to start out by saying that I really loved my conversation with today's guest. On Making Good, we've talked quite a bit about transparency, authenticity, and sharing your story. But storytelling can feel like a big task, and getting it right can feel intimidating. My guest today, Shay Elizaga Castro, demystifies what it means to share your story as a business owner and does an amazing job breaking it down into clear, bite-sized pieces. Shay is the founder of Come Alive Co., where she works with entrepreneurs on their brand story strategy, copywriting, and connection with other impact-driven leaders. Her purpose, in her own words, is to help women feel known, seen, and worthy of their wildest ideas. She does this by helping people step into their stories so they can approach their marketing with confidence. Shay's passion for what she does is truly infectious, and I'm so grateful for how generously she shared her wisdom today. This episode is a goldmine. In this episode, we discussed how stories can move us in the direction of where we want to be, the difference between a founder story and a brand story, how what makes you different can make the biggest difference, four stories that all businesses need to tell in order to sell well and feel good doing it, and more. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for this week's Small Biz Spotlight. I love talking with this longtime Making Good Happen member. I know you are going to love her warmth, honesty, and creativity. It is absolutely worth a listen. But first, here is my conversation with Shay Alizaga Castro. Shay, welcome to Making Good. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here. I'm so, so, so excited to have you. You're one of those people where when I came across you, for whatever reason, I was like, must have her on the podcast. So I am thrilled that you agreed to be on here. Before we dig into all of the questions I have for you and like all of the really juicy, good stuff that we're just going to go nuts with today, I think I would love for you to introduce yourself. What do you do and how, what's a bit of your story of how you came to do that work? Oh man. Well, I'm a storyteller, so get ready for a story, y'all. Yeah. My name is Shay Elizaga Castro. Shay like the butter, not Kivara. <laughs> and I founded Come Alive Co., which is a brand storytelling and video business with the belief that each of us was made to come alive in our unique gifts and audacious vision. So that's really driven by my personal belief that no matter your background, you were made to flourish and not just survive. And I truly believe that there is no better way to engage people in their work and life than through the redeeming power of story because. That's basically what I lived through myself. So my background is that I majored in communication with a minor in psychology and I didn't know what to do. So I ended up jumping into ad agencies and working in social media and account strategy 
until I landed in copywriting, which a creative director told me, you don't realize that you can actually get paid for all of that stuff going on up there in your brain. And to all your listeners, Lauren, and you, I'm sure that many of us can relate to that. Being creatives, we often don't find ourselves fitting in today's marketplace. So as I was at these ad agencies, I was working with some really cool companies like King's Hawaiian and Will I Am and Dell and uh, GoDaddy at the Super Bowl. But it just didn't fit me. Like even though I was using my creativity, I wasn't using it for good, which Lauren, I know you and your community are all about. And so I remember, even though mm-hmm. I had made it to the top, I climbed the career ladder, I made senior copywriter and was directing a team. I would still come home at night. And I remember one instance in particular where I was lying on my beige carpet of my freaking rental townhouse and I just started crying. And as I read my journals back after, it's like I didn't even recognize myself. It's like the color just had seeped from my life as I had built this life around living 80% of it, looking forward to the other 20. So wondering again, mm-hmm. or my next vacation would come. And honestly, I think a lot of us are, or a lot of people are still living that life. So I was really on the search for purpose. And one big kicker is I visited my family back in San Diego. I was working in LA, which is like the Mecca of advertising here. And I was at my parents' house with my niece. She's this beautiful Portuguese and Filipino girl. She was only four at the time. But I remember distinctly, Lauren, just laying on that cold tile of my parents' house. We were coloring a picture of Cinderella. And my niece, Renoa, was searching through all these colored pencils for the perfect blue for her eyes and the perfect yellow for Cinderella's hair. And I paused and said, you know, Renoa, it's a picture. You can color it however you want. Why don't you make her, you know, with brown eyes and black hair like you? And whenever I tell this story, it gets me choked up because without looking up, without skipping a beat, my brilliant four-year-old niece said, princesses don't look like me. And what world do we live in where a four-year-old girl has decided that she doesn't have a possibility to be a princess or an entrepreneur or a rocket scientist or whatever she wants to be? And so from then, I ended up going on this missions trip around Hawaii, India, and Thailand. And I got to do some cool things like working in refugee houses and um, loving on kids whose parents, whose mothers, unfortunately, had to go into trafficking just to make money. But something that really struck me is no matter where I went, I kept meeting women and individuals who had dreams just like you and I, but didn't have the support or even the structure to go after them. Being in America, we definitely have that freedom and privilege. And so when I came back, it just struck like lightning. I wanted to use my marketing savvy with my heart for good and story and people in order to help more people live out their dreams and to see that there is possibility for them to do so. So that's why I started Come Alive Co. Amazing. Okay. So I don't know, folks listening, if you don't know what this, the topic of this present or of this episode is yet, I feel like Shay, you just gave a bit of a masterclass in telling us a founder story, which is, it's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. So that was, yeah, very well told. And thank you for sharing all of that. What does Come Alive Code do? 
How do you serve your clients? So Come Alive Co. is a brand storytelling and video business. So what we do is three parts. We do copywriting one-on-one for people who are trying to own their voice and their value in the marketplace so that they can raise their rates. We see a huge discrepancy between what women and BIPOC are getting paid in every industry. And so I want to help close that gap. The number one way I believe to do that is through owning your own marketplace value. And the best way to communicate that is through your story. So we work one-on-one with folks to both have VIP days as well as copywriting done for you. My bread and butter of Mm -hmm. what I love to do is the Breakthrough Brand Story program. And so that's a four-month program where I teach entrepreneurs and creatives how to own their voice and value for themselves. Because I understand that people need their websites written for them and their captions, etc. But all of the best opportunities for funding for collaboration, partnership, clients, it usually comes on the fly when you don't have a copywriter holding your hand. And part of my story also is that I grew up believing that my voice never really had worth, especially as a Filipino-American immigrant kid growing up in suburbia. I just want to give people the freedom to use their own voice so that they seize every opportunity that they can get to flourish. And then the third way that we are just testing is video strategy and marketing. So last year, I ended up teaching myself video, which has always been my passion. I truly believe that storytelling is going more visual. And we're even seeing crazy things like the metaverse and immersive experiences, right? So how can we continue to connect people to their customers using video? Amazing. So fun. Okay, so let's talk about stories, which we heard you you told a bit of your story. Um, I know that's the work that you do in your business. And this is something that on this podcast, we've had a lot of conversation around how storytelling is important. We've also talked quite a bit about why people might want to consider sharing more about themselves and showing their face in their in their marketing and in their business communications. I'm not sure we've totally kind of connected the two of why are our founder stories, the founder of the business and why you started your business? Why are those stories important? So I would love just to pose that question to you. Like, why is this something you've built your whole business around the concept and the act of telling stories in our marketing and just overall? Oh, that is such a good question, Lauren. And I really live... I don't want to say live and die. That sounds so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) I truly flourish around the act of storytelling because I'm going to age myself here. But when I joined the marketing scene, social media had just erupted as a new thing. And a lot of traditional advertisers were not happy about it because now they could no longer yell from the rooftops of a billboard or a commercial... But they suddenly had people talking back to them. (laughs) Like, what is this? And so I was Mm -hmm. so grateful to get to be one of those people who got to pioneer this storytelling idea that participatory marketing is the present and the future. We get to invite people into our brand stories and we get to understand what they want so that we can all move toward a better future together. Because that's what you talk about, Lauren, is making good. So how can we accomplish good together? And so the reason that storytelling is so important in marketing is because there are two reasons. Number one, our brains are hardwired for story. And number two, stories that are personal and emotionally compelling engage more of the brain, which is why they're so memorable. And I like to say that they act as social peanut butter through the release of oxytocin. It's a neurochemical Mm -hmm. responsible for bonding us and for 
narrative transportation, they say. So narrative transportation is the ability for us to disseminate information and for the person listening to put themselves in the shoes of the hero of our story. And so when we talk about storytelling and marketing, it's not just a transmission of information from point A to point B, but it's literally taking people on a journey so they can imagine themselves leading the best life that they were born to. Amazing. So we've talked about story kind of broadly, but I I know that we're going to dig into two different types of story, brand story and founder story. So what is the difference between these two things? Yeah. So I love that you asked this question, Lauren, because a lot of people mix up the brand story and the founder story. And the reason for that is because brands have become increasingly personal, which is great because people connect to people and not just to businesses. So So the difference between a brand story and the founder story is that a brand story is talking about how your business, your products or services really transport your customer from point A to point B. In every story, and this goes for every story you tell, there's a formula that you're going to start recognizing. And it's this formula that leads people to stand up on their feet and cheer. It's in the most popular TED Talks. So what a story is, is transporting people from point A to point B and helping them achieve their happy ending. And that can look like, for instance, Come Alive Co., we help you make more change and more money through the power of your brand story. So that's me showing you what I can do for you. The founder's story, on the other hand, is very personal. It talks about why you, Lauren, or why me, Shay, started our business. You heard me talk about my founder's story in the beginning, and you see that I have not only experience, but the heart to own my voice and be the representation I want to see in the world for people like my niece, which is why I started my business, helping others unlock their own voice. So what the founder's story does is it adds more credibility to you by showing, hey, listener, audience, I've been in your shoes, and I want to take you to where I now am today. And is that true even for product-based businesses where, for example, if I own a jewelry brand and I'm telling the founder story of how I started that brand, maybe not all of the folks who are buying from me or who are listening to my founder story, they may not all want to kind of like follow the same path I have. They may not aspire to be jewelry makers themselves, but does that... Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually have an example for your listeners later for a painter that I worked with. And so I think when we tell our stories, it's important to know the audience of what we're speaking to and what they're after, because that's what a story is about, is understanding the psychology of desire for the people that we're here to serve and connecting our own challenges that we've overcome to achieve that. So for instance, for a jewelry maker... Let's say that she makes jewelry for, this is so specific. Let's say that she, because I have the idea in my mind of those like Greek eyes. <laughs> I really want to be in Greece, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember being Same. in Greece and buying this jewelry with my friends. And it was like this beautiful blue and turquoise jewelry that represented the island. Now, the person who's making the jewelry could say, we created this beautiful jewelry for you to remember your time on the islands and what Greek culture means by you having a taste of it. And that her founder story could be about how she discovered the beauty of her own islands through her own heritage. 
So there has to be some kind of connection point. It's not about making sure that your audience becomes Mm -hmm. a jewelry maker, but like what feeling do you want them to walk away with? Love that. So one of the things I know you say is what makes me different can make the biggest difference, which I love. One of my favorite things about marketing is that it teaches us to emphasize what's different about us instead of how we're the same to everyone else. So I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. What makes us different can make the biggest difference. What do you mean by that? And how do we actually know what the things are that make us different? If we feel like, oh, I'm just like a boring average person, like, how do you identify what those things are? That's a great question, Lauren. And I'm laughing because no one is boring or average. In fact, the things that you probably think are so weird or fine-tuned about you are the things that make you so interesting. So we spend so mm-hmm. much of our lives trying to dumb ourselves down to fit in with everyone else. And yet we're sacrificing so much along the way. One of the books that I'm reading right now that I love is Blue Ocean Strategy. And this really made waves in the business world in the early 2000s until now. Because Blue Ocean Strategy teaches us not to compete in the shark-infested waters of a red ocean, which is where every other competing business is trying to fight for a piece of diminishing pie. But it tells us to wade out into the blue ocean and essentially create our own lane by merging all of the different aspects that make us and our business unique. So that's what I mean by saying what makes a difference is owning what makes you different. Because when you stop looking to the left or the right and trying to be like everyone else, and you instead walk the path that's only meant for you, for your gifts, for your talents, for your experiences, and even your struggles and your weaknesses, that's how you create your own lane. As for the second question of how do you know what makes you different? Well, to those listening right now, I'm going to invite you into an ASMR experience. I'm just kidding. That would be really cool. But I do want to invite you on an interactive experience. So think, reflect, listen to your intuition and think about one or two things that make you feel small or make you feel less than or just stand out and not in the way that you want. Because honestly, that's often the place that you're meant to bring the biggest change. So I want to tell the story of one of our students in a founder story workshop. She was a jewelry designer, actually, (laughs) and painter. And something that I lead in those founder workshops is not just talking about what your business does, which every business strategy tells you to do, is focus on the type of good you're bringing to others. But who are you as an individual? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses even? What are some things that people don't know about you that you love about yourself or are uncomfortable in yourself? So as she was mapping out these different aspects of her being, she rose her hand. And I remember her saying, I never realized that my ADHD, which I always thought was a weakness, could be my strength. Because she realized that through her ADHD, she was able to create ways to continue with a thriving business. And she realized that she wasn't even talking about that side of her. And I remember she said, I've never owned out loud the fact that I have ADHD. I always thought it was my downfall, but now I realize it's actually a strength. And that talking about it can help so many others like me feel less alone. So listeners, I want to encourage you to think about what makes you different and know that when you share those things, 
not only will it connect to the customers who are looking to buy from someone like you, but it just connects us and makes us feel less alone, which I think we can all agree that we need right now as humanity. Mm-hmm. I loved that example you just gave about the the painter who felt like her ADHD was a weakness and realized actually it's something that is also a strength for her. And it's something she pivoted to, it sounds like emphasizing in her marketing rather than hiding. I would love to hear for you, like if you are willing to share, what are a couple of things that you've identified in your own story that make you different? Oh, I love this question because it brings up such emotion in me. And it really reminds me of the story of my niece, how we can look at ourselves, our introversion for me, the color of my skin and say, I have nothing of value to add because I don't look like everyone else. And so for a lot of my life, I just didn't feel comfortable being Filipina American because I wasn't taught to own my own heritage. That's not something that immigrants really teach their kids coming to America, at least my family. They wanted us to fit in because for immigrants, that's really a mark of safety. And so I got used to repressing Mm -hmm. my voice and not rocking the boat or standing up for what I thought. And when I joined the advertising world, it was really interesting because with the birth of social media, we started to get a better pulse of our customers, who they were and what they wanted. And one of our brands specifically had a very multicultural fan base. I'm talking like Latino, uh, Mexican, Filipino for sure, Asian, Hawaiian. And it's interesting because I was in these rooms with these corporate players. They're all white men in suits that were twice my age. And suddenly I was thrust into the spotlight because I was the only one who could understand where our customers were coming from in terms of family values, in terms of holiday celebrations, etc. And so I think that's when I started realizing that what makes you different is what makes the biggest difference. I was able to grow that account to crazy numbers, barely using ad dollars because of the power of storytelling, because I was able to use things from my own story of family traditions through this brand to connect to our customers. And so when we talk about what makes you different is what makes the biggest difference. That's exactly why I started my business, because I want to champion the woman and the BIPOC who doesn't get the resources to grow a business and succeed. And one great example of that recently is our brand shoot. I was super intentional about this. I think today entrepreneurship really promotes the individual, but what we're seeing is that the future of change belongs to the community. We can't make change alone. And so it was very intentional for me to do a brand shoot that was different from everything else I was seeing out there. I wanted to be vibrant and colorful, which Lauren, I love that your brand is because everything around me that I was seeing was so like minimalistic and perfect. And come on, we all know that we're messy and we do not look so minimal all the time. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to live out loud in the color of my skin, in the color of our outfits. And I wanted to hire a lot of different groups represented to promote others around me who normally are marginalized. So just to read some numbers, our last brand shoot included eight hired vendors and six quote unquote models or friends, 80% female, 20% male POC immigrants, BIPOC, LGBTQ, and first and second gen immigrants, as I said. So again, what, what you see is what you can be. So from my story of being different, I wanted to make sure to 
open the lanes of what's possible for anyone who feels different for the color of their skin or what they believe in, etc. Such a great answer. So I know that you have four stories that you recommend all businesses tell in order to sell effectively and also feel good doing it. I would love for you to share those with with me and with the listeners um, so that we can start implementing those for ourselves. Definitely, Lauren. And when you hear, oh no, there are four stories now I have to tell. I do want to say that they're each microcosms of your larger brand story. So I don't want you to be overwhelmed. But know that each of these stories engages the no like trust factor that leads people to want to buy from you because trust is the most important thing to earn from our customers. So there are four different stories and I'm going to summarize them here, but then I'm going to give you examples because I'm an example person. Is that okay, Lauren? Yay. Of course. I love examples. (laughs) So we've talked about our brand story and our founder story. The brand story is how you, your business helps your aligned customer overcome an obstacle to achieve their happy ending. You're essentially moving them from point A to point B. The origin story or the founder story is a story of how you yourself overcame that obstacle so you can aptly help them reach their happy ending as you did too. Again, it causes that connection that shows you trustworthy. Then we have two other stories which I haven't talked about. The third story is the customer story. This is essentially the (laughs) move the bus and show the house before and after and we get all emotional, right? It's a transformation story as Mm. lived by someone that actually engaged in your services or your offerings. So the customer story is a personal transformative story of how you helped your customer overcome an obstacle to achieve her happy ending. And these tend to show up as the testimonials on your website. And then finally, your value Mm -hmm. story, which is not getting talked about enough, but as a marketer, Lauren, you can understand the importance of demonstrating our value The value story is a story that points to how a differentiating feature of your products or services, which is often called a unique value proposition, helps your aligned customer reach their goal. It's a micro version of your brand story. So if you look at all four of these stories, what you can see is that they're all centered around how you move your customer from point A to point B, because that's the most important part of a story. So I'm going to walk you through the case study of Rachel. And Rachel is a fine artist up in NorCal. So her client is a driven woman who appreciates honesty and beauty. And the problem of her client is that she doesn't get to truly be herself, possibly because of all the outside pressures of running a job, being a wife, being a mom, you know, all the things that none of us listening can totally relate to. (laughs) With all this outside pressure to be all these different fragmented roles, this woman doesn't get to be herself in everyday life. And her goal is to feel more connected to herself and her life so that she can thrive living the life that she wants to. And all of this can seem really deep from, oh, you're just here to buy art. But I believe that the things that we put into the world really transcend feeling and emotion and desire. And connecting with that desire is truly what makes us more memorable and stand apart in our field. So I'm going to walk through four different stories for Rachel, our artist. Her original brand story was this. She said, when you buy a piece of my art, you are buying something that took my entire life to make. Birth sometimes quickly, sometimes over months that involves a gestation of color, full body gestures, a rare combo of passion 
and technical excellence. So I'll let your listeners rewind that if they want and listen to see how they think the story went. If the goal is always to show how you move your customer from point A to point B, what I would critique about this is number one, it's more so about Rachel as the artist than it is about the customer. And number two, it includes a lot of very art particular terms, which her customer may not be so savvy to. And so we worked together and we really looked at her clientele and her updated brand story now is, I believe a life fully engaged is a life rich with meaning. This is why I create abstract art to adorn your walls, to awaken the human spirit and invite honesty, beauty, and depth into your most fulfilled life. So that's her updated brand story. Her origin story now that you see that her mission is to help people awaken the human spirit and invite honesty, beauty, and depth to their most fulfilled life. Her origin story is now going to be about how she had to overcome some obstacles in order to live that for herself. And honestly, that is why she paints because it breaks through layers and layers of what other people expect of her in society and helps her connect to the core of who she is and how she sees the world. So that when she makes this art, other people connect to that. And so this art is actually an interactive piece where two people, anyone looking at it can now come alive in their senses. So now we have two more stories, Mm -hmm. the customer story and the value story. I'm going to read the customer story out because I I wrote it, Lauren, and (laughs) I'm just laughing at how emotional it sounds, but I want to exemplify what a story can sound like. Is that okay? Yeah, please. So Rachel can put on her website, and this is not a true story, but I'm just writing it and things like this do happen. So this is something that Rachel would put on her website and something that you audience can steal from the formula yourself. So customer story. This is Bonnie. Bonnie wandered into my shop each day on her lunch break, trailing in the crumbs of her white bread crust off sandwich, along with a heaviness I could feel palpitating from the door. Bonnie would spend exactly 23 minutes perusing the paintings as she twirled a carnation curiously in her left hand. And yet she always seemed to linger on one special piece, a piece I named Tiny Dancer. After weeks coming in and leaving lighter, more crumb-free, she finally took home Tiny Dancer. I didn't see her again until a week later. She came to me with tears in her eyes, and Bonnie said, Rachel, I don't know how you did it, but the pinks in this piece remind me of the carnations my mom used to place on our kitchen table before she passed away last year. Bonnie said to me, I made it my mission to live life for us both. And even when it hurts, your painting reminds me of that pact. So that was a very emotional story. One that actually does happen with artists and creatives alike. But again, the customer story is showing the transformation and how your product, your service helped your customer live that life they're looking for. And finally, we have value story. Mm. So the value story is using that framework of I do X so you can achieve Y. If we look at the story of Bonnie and how she really connected to the pink paint in Rachel's paintings, that is a unique value of Rachel's painting. She loves painting with pops of color. Another unique value of her business is that it takes her a lot of time, right? This is something that as artists, it's hard for us to stand by why it takes us so much time pouring what we do into our work. But more time should equate to more money. 
And so how can you prove that the time that you spent in this work is worth the high price tag that you deserve, honestly? So a value story that Rachel could say is, with each painting, I spend dedicated time to get into flow, all to channel the honesty, beauty, and depth you seek to fill your home. And so if you look at that story alone, you're saying, I do X, I take a lot of time to get into flow in order for you to achieve Y so that you get this honesty, beauty, and depth you seek. So brand storytelling is really understanding how and when to engage each of these four stories. I will say that the brand story is how people know you. The founder story or the origin story is how people like you. And then the customer story and the value story is how people trust you so that they're willing to pay you what you deserve. That's amazing. So clear. So let's say that we have spent some time. We listened to this podcast episode. We've taken notes and like really done the thinking and the, the hard, more strategic work of really nailing these stories for ourselves, the four different stories. How, like, so we know them, let's say we wrote them in a Google Doc. How do we go from like, okay, we know our story to communicating them effectively, like across the platforms and um, just making sure that they really come across in the way that we want them to? Like, is it as simple as, and I'm guessing you're going to say no, but correct me, like just putting them on our website? Or how do you suggest that folks communicate these stories so that people actually hear them and receive them? That's such a good question. No, I totally agree with you. I thousand percent we should put it on our website and just read word for word everything we've written. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) This is why I train people not to outsource their voice. Like, yes, it's good to work with a copywriter and marketer, but you really need to embody your differentiation for yourself. Some of my favorite stories, Lauren, are all the different times that myself and my clients have been faced with opportunity to pitch for funds, to give a talk like within 15 minutes to win a new client at the supermarket. That was me at Trader Joe's. (laughs) So when you embody your brand story, it's not just about the words that you say, but how you say it. One of my favorite things about marketing, and I'm sure Lauren, you can agree because you do this so well, is that your marketing and the words that you say are not like AP style, Oxford comma all the time. Marketing today is about just like this. It's conversation. And that's the number one tip I always give people who are struggling with their writing or their story is how do you talk? Like forget the marketing stuff that our professors taught us. Literally hit record on your phone or this is this is a pro tip. Are you ready for this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're here for these pro tips. When you're in Google Docs, you can click tools and then voice typing. And then literally sit down and pretend that you're on a podcast like this and someone's asking you, so why do you do the work that you do? Tell me about where you came from. What's your story? And just talk. And then as your Google Doc takes down the words that you're saying, this was all before AI, PS. (laughs) As it records the words that you're saying for you, you can edit your own story. So the best way to communicate is to write it out and understand your points of your story, but then also to embody it in a way that you really believe in what you're saying, because authenticity is going to be the number one thing that connects you through your story. And so that's why it's really important for me in coaching that we're not just writing the words that you're going to say, but that you are saying it in a way that feels true to you. And you're not just spitting out words from your your page. Yeah, I love that advice that 
our marketing should always be in our own voice and should always be using words that we actually use. If you read it out loud and it doesn't sound like you, time to time to scrap totally. it and start over because yeah, the best marketing is conversational and, and human. So I, I'm so glad you made that point. So I know there's going to be some people listening who are really compelled by this idea of the power story and the brand story and the customer story. But when they think about their own story, like their founder story, they are going to be minimizing that and feeling like it doesn't matter or it's not big enough or like, who cares? I know this from a personal experience as well as just like having had many conversations with my listeners. So what would you say to those people who feel like, yeah, this sounds really great, but like, I personally just, I just don't have a story that's worth telling, right? I don't have a story at all. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah. First of all, to that person, I see you and I hear you because that was me. Um, I like to say that the places that we are the most insecure are the places that we're meant to bring freedom to others. And so again, that thing that Mm. makes you shrink is waiting to be let into the world because there's someone else who can connect with you on it. And so if you feel like your face, your story, your business doesn't matter, I first invite you to get curious about what's that underlying story you're telling yourself as to why you don't want to show up. So I love this quote. I posted it and it was like the most resonant thing with our audience. It's from the account, Poetry is Not a Luxury on Instagram. And they wrote, why bother? Because right now, there is someone out there with a wound in the exact shape of your words. And so you can read that in different ways. But the way that I read that is like, there's someone with a wound that's waiting for your words, for your persona, your being to help salve or fill it. I want to give a very tangible example of this. If I didn't show up and choose to be the change that I wish to see for people like my niece, um, going back to my founder story of why I started this and wanting to provide more possibility to people like my niece when she was growing up. My niece once said that princesses don't look like me. 12 years after that event, she was voted the homecoming princess of her mostly Caucasian school. And that was so amazing to me Mm. in an essay for a class. She was prompted to write about a hero and she, I would have written about Beyonce or MLK. Okay. Let's be real. But she actually wrote about me and she said, the kind of person I want to be like when I'm older is my auntie Shay. I don't love change, but she has been showing me that it's okay to have any kind of difference in your life because God has an amazing plan for everyone. And so no matter what your story is, if it's like dramatic, like mine, or if it's like, Hey, I just make art because I like it. And I think we all should do more things that we like. That's cool too. And you have no idea how the beauty of your existence is a healing balm to someone else. We're not meant to carry these burdens Mm -hmm. or insignificances or insecurities alone because we're social creatures and all of humanity is connected, which means that what you're going through, what you're experiencing is shared by at least one other out there. So when you do step out into your story, You show others that they deserve to be seen. But most importantly, you also show yourself that you deserve to be seen too. Hmm. I really love that you use the example of the artist who maybe their story is they create art because they like to and they believe more people should be doing things they like doing. I 
really love that. And I feel like just to take that a step further, there's going to be someone on the receiving end of that story who needed that message and who takes permission from that to do more of what they love doing. So that's such a great example of something that may seem so trivial and like meaningless to you if at surface level, at least, but actually like even the simplest things can be transformational for other people. So love that answer. We touched on this a little bit, but internal stories. So you know, for the folks who I just described, who may be feeling like they don't have a story or like, who cares? Or they don't know what their story is. You touched on the fact that there's probably some internal stories being told inside their brains that have kind of led them to feel that way. What is the role of these internal stories? I love this question, Lauren, because it's something I'm diving more into. If you notice in the last question, when you asked me what I would say to people, my answer was to first get curious about the stories that are leading you. I don't think that this study of story and how it affects us is fully flourished yet, but I'm so glad that there are people leading the way. And so brand story is really about interpersonal connection, me to you. But what our internal stories is, is intrapersonal, me to myself. And we know that our thoughts direct our behavior which become habits that make up the quality of our lives. And so I want to shout out Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a leading researcher on epigenetics, which is the study of how your behaviors and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work. Her main focus is neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, which actually says that our brains can change as we think and grow new brain cells. So she has this book called Switch on Your Brain, It's very science-y. I didn't read the whole thing. But what I have learned from it is that basically your thoughts that you have over and over, because we know that 95% of our thoughts are repetitive and 80% of those are negative, according to the National Science Foundation. The thoughts that we continuously have Mm. kind of walk back and forth and form grooves in our brain, which allows our brain to make decisions faster while conserving energy. But the problem with this, Lauren, is when we become negative about the stories that we're telling because this limits our chances and our choices. So in her books, which on your brain, Dr. Caroline Leaf says, our choices, the natural consequences of our thoughts and imagination get under the skin of our DNA and can turn certain genes on and off, changing the structure of the neurons in our brains. So our thoughts, imagination, and choices can change the structure and function of our brains on every level. Isn't that crazy? So said another way, if you're not intentional about the story that you want to live, you're resorting to default mode and living in that way. The last thing that I want to quote from her is she wrote on her blog, whatever you think about the most grows because you give it energy, which in turn can impact your ability to think and your overall health. It's like that old adage that what you focus on grows. And so how can stories move us in the direction that we want to be? Well, they help us either rise to what's possible or fall to what's comfortable, depending on the type of story you're telling yourself. Mm, So good. So good. That's so inspiring. (laughs) I will absolutely link to her and her work because that sounds really interesting. Um, So thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I have so many more questions, so maybe we'll have you back, but I want to respect your time. So we're going to start to transition into 
some of the questions that I get to ask all of our lovely guests here on the show. Um, first is, how do you approach doing good through your small business? I love this question. And I love that you and your community are intentional about this. So I believe that every thought and action we take sows a seed that could blossom for generations to come. So I'm very intentional about the words that I say, the way that I treat people. And so first, I want to say that if you think you're not doing enough, honestly, the way that you treat yourself and treat others can cause a ripple effect to their families and their communities, which is why I want people to flourish in the first place. Um, (laughs) It reminds Mm -hmm. me of Legally Blonde when she says, no, she couldn't have killed her husband because she was working out and happy people do happy things or something like that. I did not plan to say that, but I'm on a Reese Witherspoon kick right now. But uh, what that looks like practically (laughs) is the good that we try to do is really focus on the QBL or the, the quadruple bottom line of profit, purpose, planet, and people. I will say that I'm not as up to par on the planet. I I have not yet researched how much my impact as a digital creator affects our planet. So if anyone wants to talk about that, hit me up. But I am really focused on how we can steward our profits, our purpose, and our people for good. So we've talked a bit about our purpose of creating a more inclusive world where people can be celebrated for who they are, not just what they do in the world. And we've talked about people how we treat people, our employees, our clients, our vendors, that goes a long way. But with our profit, and I want to talk about this because I think any bit of change can make a bit of change. (laughs) I didn't plan that, bars. Mm -hmm. But for profit, we were really intentional over COVID because there, there was such a disparity in who was gaining and who was losing, right? So we launched our program around that time, our Breakthrough Brand Story program. And we decided to funnel 10% of our profits of that to a change maker of choice. And for then, it was Black Girl Ventures, which creates more access to capital for Black and Brown women entrepreneurs. Because as you know, in my story, inclusivity is important. And another way that we did good with our profits is that during the pandemic, I was... I was seeing a lot of my friends in the retail space, which includes you. So I'm sure that you can resonate. But a lot of people in the retail space, restaurant workers, my own husband, who's a nurse, they were being so affected during the pandemic. And so I was like, what do I have in my hand that can help? And so I decided to host a virtual class because I don't have all the money in the world, like many of us, but I do have my talents and my skills. And so I threw a virtual class and then I had 50% of the profits go to Craft Meals SD, which provided 55 frontline workers through our profits and individuals in the restaurant industry who lost their job. So that was cool because, again, I, I always like to ask what's in my hand and how can this help the people in front of me? So to anyone listening, you can make a change through something tangible as your money And something as intangible as your thoughts and actions toward yourself and others, because again, that creates ripple effects. Such a great answer. I love that question and that invitation for folks to ask themselves, what do I have in my hands that I can use to help in some way? That's such a, that is such a beautiful question. I'm stealing (laughs) this. What is one small business that you admire? My best friend, Grace Kim, I'm going to shout her out because talk about blue ocean strategy. She went through the rungs of the crazy corporate world in terms of fashion design, right? Like she was literally living my Andy Sachs dream, except she actually liked the fashion. So she is helping clothing designers come alive in their corporate design positions 
by giving them better strategy to advance, but also the attitude to approach each day as an opportunity to give back and to come alive. And she's the only one I know doing this right now. Again, um, I love that she's driven by this steadfast vision of helping people in the corporate arena because we all know that they need some love. And um, she's creating the solution that her potential customers don't even know that they can ask for. So she is at Grace Kim Portland. Follow her because even if you're not a designer, she really talks about how to flourish in your work and your life because we share that vision. Amazing. I am excited to check her out. What is a book that you would recommend? I am reading so many right now, Lauren. I don't know if you're like me, but I have like eight books on my nightstand and yeah. every time. And it's like, let's pull from this today. What am I feeling? Well, a lot of them are not work related, but that's good. There are about five or six that I want to talk about because I consider these foundational to running business for good. And so I mentioned the book Blue Ocean Strategy by W. Chan Kim and Renee Maborn. So this was written in 2004, and it tells us how to stand apart from this competitive bloodshedding sea. And what I love about them is that they were like in the like he was her professor, and their whole goal of writing this book is not just for people to make more money, but it's dedicated to friendship. Like we're friends, and so you and your mm. business can make friends through this strategy. And I think that's so different from like Cute. the corporate world, right? Three like books that. that are super foundational for marketing and business. Simon Sinek, Start With Why, which you can watch his TED Talk. He's one of the most watched TED Talks of all time. Uh, Dale Partridge, People Over Profit. This is the first time that I started to study how the Industrial Revolution started treating people as cogs in a wheel versus as valuable players of a mission. And I think his work is really predicating what we're seeing right now about the turnover in corporate world. And then this is marketing by Seth Godin. Seth Godin is the goat of marketing. It's this orange book. He writes in such an easy way to digest. Um, and then two others that are for fun. I just finished this book called Called to Create by Jordan Rayner. And this is a faith-driven book. I always have these questions of how does my creative work lend to good in the world, right? Like for someone listening, how does my jewelry impact for good? How does, I don't know, for me, how do my words impact for good? So this really helped me marry the idea of creativity and purpose. And then anything by Bob Goff, because he is joy embodied. And he wrote a book called Dream Big about kind of shedding off all the other distractions that we deal with day to day. And just like to fall in love with your life and the stuff that you're here to do, which I think we all need more of. Amazing. Amazing. I will link all of these in the show notes. Shay, what a treat this episode has been. I'm excited to listen back to it, actually, because there's just so many little gems of wisdom in here. Thank you for everything you've shared. I would love for you to share with my audience where people can find you online, where they can connect with you and how they may be able to work with you if they're interested in going further. Yeah. And thank you so much, Lauren, for this conversation. It's such a treat and you're a joy to talk to you. And I truly hope even one person is impacted and walks away happier after this. I know they will. So people can find me on Instagram at comealive.co or on our website, comealive.co. And if they want to work with us, reach out. Uh, We have our Breakthrough Brand Story program that I'm working on making more accessible to groups and building our community from there. But one-on-one, we do 
what I call espresso strategy sessions. It's just 90 minutes of digging deep into what problem is holding you back from owning your voice and value in the world. And how can we write that together? As well as more involved VIP work that takes place over two weeks where we're co-writing together one part of your brand story so that you can feel comfortable to show up in the world. Amazing. I will be linking all of this in the show notes. Shay, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for everything you shared. Thank you for the work you do. I'm, I'm super grateful. Thank you, Lauren. I know that went past time. <laughs> I know we went way deep into the weeds. So thank you. <laughs> no, such a, such a treat. Okay. So that was my interview with Shay. So, so inspiring. I'm really grateful for Shay's openness and sharing her own story and journey to where she is today. Also, for her generosity and sharing her expertise, there is so much to learn from her. If you want to dive deeper into Shay's story, did you hear what I did there? You can find links to her website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 190. I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. And guess what? You made it to the Small Biz Spotlight. Yay. Faye of Queen Faisal is one of the earliest Making Good Happen members, and her sassy greeting cards truly hit the sweet spot of humor and authenticity. I really appreciated Faye's willingness to talk about the insights she's gained so far as a small business owner and her unique approach to doing good via her business. Here's our interview. Hello, Faye. Welcome to Making Good. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled to have you. You are one of the first ever members of Making Good Happen. You are like one of my early day, long time small business friends. So it's super fun to have you on here. Um, I want you to introduce your business to everyone. So what is the story? Tell us about Queen Faisal. What do you make? When did you start it? All that stuff. Yes. Well, my business, as you said, is Queen Faisal. And I make heartfelt, sassy greeting cards and paper goods. I started my business in January of 2020. And I had a whole plan. And then the pandemic hit. And so it has been not what I expected. Although I think... If the pandemic hadn't hit, it still would have been not what I expected Mm -hmm. because that is small business. I have always enjoyed creating things. I carried a tackle box around as a kid that had all of my art supplies in it. (laughs) Uh, That is amazing. I mean, it served the dual purpose of carrying my art supplies, but also organizing them very specifically, which is... Another thing that pleased me greatly. So <laughs> I've always I've always had that side to myself and for a long time shelved it in pursuit of other things. And several years ago, started toying with the idea of turning that into a business. I've always loved making cards. I've always loved sending and receiving mail. I think it's a really... For me, it's a really special way to connect. I don't do great in face-to-face conversations. I get nervous. I sometimes have trouble saying what I want to say or expressing myself in a way that feels authentic or comfortable. And cards are so lovely because you can 
put down what you want. You can draft something before you actually write it in the card. And then, you know, the person gets to see your handwriting. They get to, they get something in the mail that is just for them and is special. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, wrapped all of that up into Queen Faisal and the things that I create for it. Yay. Okay. I'm jumping ahead because as you're talking, I'm just thinking of like some of your designs that I adore. They're so just like clever and joyful and fun and quirky. Um, So I want to jump ahead a little bit to ask you, like, what would be a best-selling product? And if you don't say one of the ones that's my favorite, I'll make you tell them about that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, there are a few bestsellers. One of them is a, It's just a card that has a red and yellow pill and the pill says self-compassion on it. And then under that, it says take daily. And I also turned that into a sticker and people love it. And I also have one of those just sitting on my desk because I need that reminder as well. Mm -hmm. Um, another, another big favorite is this very messy birthday cake that the candles are all tilted and the sprinkles are everywhere and the layers are falling off apart. And it says, hope this is the year you get your shit together. (laughs) Um, and people, parents buy that for their children. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's, it's fantastic. People buy it for themselves. It's really good. I also have, and I think this is the favorite that you were talking about, um, a card that has just a hand with the middle finger up and it has a sparkly fingernail and there's a version that says no ma'am. And there is a version that says, well, actually, and (laughs) people, people also love those. I had those turned into stickers as well and they have been incredibly popular. Okay. I did Um, not know that. Yes. And the sticker also of course has a glittery fingernail. Um, Yes. And then a couple other favorites are more sweary cards. People seem to enjoy the sweary cards. One is this uh, blue heart that has a, has a crack in it and a little chip out of it. And it's making kind of a sad face and it just says, well, shit. And it can, it covers so many things. Um, And so people, that is a very popular one as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're so good. They're so like playful, but like sincere also. Yeah. They're just, I love them. So we'll link to those specific products in the show notes for sure, but also just go browse all of Faye's stuff because they're just delightful. Um, Okay. We may have already kind of addressed this because you have mentioned something that you like to do in your business already, but what is your favorite thing to do in your business? It is the creating, it's drawing, it's playing around with paper, it's coming up with ideas. Sometimes I have a very specific vision in my head and I start sketching or I start working on it. And I, you know, I take a total 180. It does not, the final product has nothing to do with what I thought it would be. And somewhere along, that whole process, I realized that I've been processing stuff in my head or 
you know, thinking through something and my final design has changed, but also I've sorted out a little something that's been churning around in my brain. And so I think that is the best part. There are lots of great parts about having my own business, but I think that's my favorite. Yeah. So therapeutic to make. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, What would be one piece of advice that you would offer another small business owner? This is hard because I have a few, I have a few things, which most of which I learned from you. Uh, (laughs) um, Yes. And I think the first, I think there are two. I can, okay, Lauren, I can't just choose one. Sorry. I, there are no, two. <laughs> two is great. Two is great. Um, and the, the first one is to just do the thing. I, along with you, and I know lots of other folks who listen to this podcast and who are in Making Good Happen, uh, struggle with perfectionism. And it's so easy to get trapped in that planning, research, thinking it through spiral and not actually just doing a thing. And you learn so much more when you just do it. It's it's really hard <laughs> to mm-hmm. just take the step. But, you know, a, a friend of mine has this saying that and he says, be bold, not stupid. And I think I I try to balance the, <laughs> you know, my, my perfectionist tendencies with just being bold and just doing a thing. And so where can I find the middle ground of, okay, make an informed move, you know, make an informed decision, but at some point stop mm-hmm. the information gathering and go forward. And I think the second thing I would say is find yourself a community. And that's something that you told me the very first time we ever talked to each other. I don't know if you remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember saying that, but I remember chatting. Yeah. Yeah. And and at the time I was like, yeah, okay. Like a community that makes sense. That seems pretty important. And I didn't really... I didn't really understand how important that is until truly I found a community. Um, You know, I joined Making Good Happen and the people that I've met there. I mean, I've learned a ton, but also it just, you have people who understand what you're going through. You have Mm -hmm. other small business owners who get the weirdness and the excitement and the joy of having a small business and you have coworkers and it's, it's the infrastructure that is really helpful. You know, that sometimes can come with a job that is working for someone else, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't come with all of the rest of the things of working for someone else. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, I don't think a lot of people who have small business owners have like the story of having the traditional nine to five style job, leaving it either in order to start or for another reason. And they end up starting a business and you never think that there's anything you'll miss socially, I guess about Mm -hmm. working, but they're usually for most of us is even like 
don't know if you identify as an introvert. I do. I do. Yeah. And so I was like, this is going to be amazing working for myself, by myself, no one around in my office. Like I (laughs) would not wait for that. And yeah, it didn't take long for him to be like, okay, (laughs) I'd like to talk to someone. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, One of the things I love about your business is that you are very thoughtful about like trying to do good through it. And you've done this in a bunch of ways. I would love for you to share with listeners. How do you approach doing good through your small business? I, I mean, I can list what I do, but I think maybe also what you're getting at is, is why, why bother? And for me, I know we were talking about connection earlier and, and for me, sending cards is a way to connect with people. And I think through my business, recognizing that I am part of a community, I am part of a group of other small businesses, and I want that to have a positive impact on my community and on people that I come into contact with through my business. So what that looks like for me is that I I donate 3% of my profits quarterly. So I do a quarterly donation um, every three months. I also donate products to giveaways or fundraising events or things like that. I also have done some custom designs for organizations and one quarter... I created versions, different versions of a couple of popular designs and donated them to Blackpink SeaTac, which is an organization that sets up pen pals for incarcerated folks. And so there were specific rules about what materials the cards could be on the cards. And so I created special versions of those and donated them to the organization so that people who are incarcerated could send Mm -hmm. letters out back and forth. So many good examples. I actually, I'm curious how you find an opportunity like that, I guess. Like how would someone else, I think the obvious ways that that is not that hard for most of us to think about doing would be like donating a percentage of proceeds, which is great. Some of the other like more creative ways I would say that you've, given away product or made designs. How are those opportunities coming across your plate? There are a couple of different ways that I find organizations to support. And primarily it is, do their values align with mine? Is their work and mission something that is important to me? And another big thing that I look at is how the organization is structured. So is it led by or does it heavily involve the people that it is meant to serve? Because so often we see people doing work to benefit others without involving the people that they are trying to support. And so that's one of the things that is really important to me is just getting a better understanding of how the organization is run and are the people who the mission is serving actually involved in the organization. So thoughtful. Like it takes effort to go the extra step of like doing that research mm-hmm. and thinking through that kind of stuff. And so I just yeah. appreciate that you do. Yeah. Um, 
I think. Okay. So, oh, go ahead. If, sorry. If I could say one more thing, I think mm-hmm. another thing is that. So, in the example of Blackpink SeaTac, I just asked, would it be useful to have cards? And, and, you know, because if they had said no, I would have said, great, I will make a donation to whatever is, so you can do whatever is useful for your organization. Because I think mm-hmm. that's a thing that is easy, easy to fall into as well is, oh, I have this thing. I do this thing. Let me give it to you instead of what do you need? Or is this thing I have useful for you? If so, great. If not, what is useful and how can I help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before I ask you to share where to connect with you on Instagram or on social and your website and all that stuff, I want to ask you a couple of questions about making it happen. Um, I think we've touched on this a tiny bit already, but I would love for you to share why you joined Making Good Happen and what your favorite part is. I joined Making Good Happen because I needed help with marketing. It is not my strong suit. It is not my favorite thing. And it's easy to just then ignore the thing you don't like. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, it's an important part of having a business. And I knew I needed... I knew I needed help around marketing. And I also knew that there could be community, there could be, you know, there could be that support infrastructure that we were talking about earlier. So I joined for those two reasons to get support in my marketing and just to have support in general as a small Mm -hmm. business owner. And I think. It's hard to say what my favorite part about making good happen is because there's so much that I enjoy. I think beyond the, you know, the the monthly learnings and resources, there are the guest expert sessions, there are strategy sessions, there's office hours, there there's a lot of that kind of concrete support, but I think one of my favorite things is being able to pop into Slack and have, I guess, sort of the the water cooler conversations, but in a much more fun and mm-hmm. exciting and nice way where, you know, I can ask questions, I can respond to other people's questions. There's, a, there's just exchange, casual exchange and support. And that feels really good. Mm-hmm. Yay. Okay, last question about making good happen. Who would you recommend it to? It may not be for like everyone. Who would you say it is especially for? I think making good happen is especially for solopreneurs, for people with very small teams, you know, maybe two or three people, because it is so good at providing providing that community that is really hard to find as an individual running a Mm -hmm. business. I think it also is great for creatives, whether you're a creative offering a product or a creative offering a service, there's really fun. um, I keep saying the word creative, but I'm just going to use it again because it's true. (laughs) But There's really fun creative energy in the group and a lot of, yeah, a lot of unique ideas and and mm-hmm. perspectives. Yeah, amazing. Okay, Faye, this has been so much fun. 
I love chatting with you, as you know. Um, I would love for you to tell everyone where's what's your website? Where can they find all these cards that you described earlier? They will be linked in the show notes, but tell people where to go directly and also how to connect with you on on the socials. Yes. My website is queenfazel.com and Fazel is spelled F-A-Y-Z-E-L. So that website is Q-U-E-E-N-F-A-Y-Z-E-L.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and that is at Queen Faisal. Yay. Thank you so much, Faye, for being here. I love this. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate it. So there you have it. I cannot get over all of the creative and thoughtful ways Faye has found to give back. It just goes to show you there really is no limit to the ways that we can give back as small business owners. I'd love to hear what inspiration this has sparked for you. Check out Faye's Pitch Perfect Designs at the link in the show notes as well at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 190. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways you can give back to making good. First, I'd be so honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 190. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just PG Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.